how dare we? How dare we do this to these people once again? The this in question being a men seeking tomahawks. I am Jack Drastic. Alongside me, Danny Franks. Danny, on a scale of 1 to 10, how crunk are you right now? Oh, Lil John, his his scale would be breaking right now. Like so crunk. Oh, so crunk. Do do the kids are the kids getting crunk anymore? Do does anyone crunk it up? I feel like crunk. What else? Skeet. Like you don't skeet anymore, you don't get crunk anymore. Um, we ran out of crunk. Nothing on the walls from the windows, you know. Yeah, the uh the crunk juice well has gone dry. The market collapsed. Didn't he have a drink called Crunk Juice? Wasn't that a thing? Oh, I'm sure. I don't know how official, but I know Crunk Juice was a thing. Okay. For sure. It's sad. Let's bring that back, kids. Let's uh, let's rewind. The here. supermarkets have never been the same without Crunk Juice on the shelves. Never. Not not a day since. Not a not a day. So, Danny, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I, I had a question for you. Okay. Um, does it upset you? I don't know if upset's the right word, but offend you maybe is the right word as much as it does me. When people like walk, you know, walking for a good exercise, it's a good exercise. The walking, yes. They walk through a neighborhood with beautiful sidewalks, but they walk in the street. Have you you've seen that before? Like obviously people ride their bikes in the street. That's kind of what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to ride your bike on the sidewalk, you're supposed to ride it yeah. on the street. Um, joggers, for some reason, sometimes opt for the street instead of the sidewalk. I don't get that. But walkers, that's what I really don't get. Like, that's what the sidewalk, that's why they call it the sidewalk. You walk on the side of the road. And my neighborhood is full of people walking in the street. Like, just going for their, with, with strollers sometimes, or pulling wagons. And these are adults. I don't get it. You see, and you, and you live in the good neighborhood, so, like, that means you've got the good sidewalks. Because there's some neighborhoods where the sidewalks are unpredictable. Like, you can't trust sidewalks in some neighborhoods. But you're walking, right? So you have plenty of time to, to adjust. Maybe, yeah, but it's still sometimes a better option. So are these the kind of individuals who are, like, doing this with malicious intent? Like, no. they'll see the car, the car coming and they're like, F you car, I'm here. Oh. Like you feel like they just blatant disregard for the the large vehicle like coming their definitely way. Definitely like pedestrian right of way kind of walkers, um, which you know uh, that's yeah. the law. But yeah, I just as, as someone that normally drives on the street and doesn't walk on the street, I just um, I don't understand why you would do that when there's a sidewalk there that is built for this purpose. I don't know, Dan. I feel like I need to hurry up and get to the musical break so that you can go yell at those kids to get off your lawn like what is going on okay that, and that's why i presented it if that's if that's if that's yeah. the answer is it's a get off my lawn type moment then i i need you to tell me that and you just did as you as you like to remind me i am the old i'm the i'm the old man on this show and all of a sudden the the turntables have turned because you are sitting here just griping about them pedestrians okay is this a, I know you're active on the neighborhood Facebook, which is one of your poor life decisions. Is this something that they're talking about no. in the chatter? No, this no, is just my not. observation. This is just something. Interesting. No, the chatter is everyone's looking for a, a, a good uh, 
Well, you and I have eaten that at the place before. Sweet Tomatoes was what it was called here. Um, Soup Plantation was the name of it, I think, on the West Coast. Same company. Um, we have Distancy. Super Salads. Uh, but the whole concept is you you know, go in and you pay your price. And it's, it's like an upscale all-you-can-eat buffet. It's not Golden Corral. Like, you're not going to be you know, slopping a pudding on your plate or anything like that. It's, uh, you know, artisan soups and artisan bread, and you've got several different salads or build your own salad bar. So it's, it's a healthy option. Um, but yeah, that's the big thing right now is, is we've got a lot of imports from the West coast and apparently those were somewhat popular over there and they are just dumbfounded that they can't find a good solution over here. So that is the chatter right now. Hmm. Thank you for that that eye on chatter. Back That's to you, good. Jack. I think that uh, I think it's probably a good thing that we all avoid the buffets right now. Just a you know for, for no reason whatsoever. Just thinking that might might be something that uh, they're they're it's a uh, addition by subtraction, Dan. That's what I'm thinking. I agree. That's that's my opinion. So guys, we're not talking buffets tonight, although. That might be a good topic for an upcoming show. No, this evening, one of the hosts of this very program just got back from a fairly big bit of traveling. We'll reveal which of us, oh my God, we'll reveal which of us it was and where it was they went. But first, Danny, I've got a musical interlude for you here. I'm always excited about these musical interludes, but this evening, Doubly so, because believe it or not, Dan, the artist we're about to feature is uh, an individual that we have featured previously on the show. And when I went back and revealed to myself when it was that we first encountered this individual, would you believe that the first time we featured this artist, it was February of 2015? Wow. That, that's Seven how years. long, yeah. That's how long he's been at it, and that's how long we've been doing this thing. Intervals and breaks aside, but this is a uh, an ambient artist from Manchester, UK, and uh, this song comes off an album called Feet, which is going to be available March fourth. This album's been, uh, he's been working on this album for about as long as we've known him. He said this, uh, this album is seven years in the making, and it explores the different ways that we as individuals experience and process the end of a relationship. Hmm. So that's a pretty strong buildup. I'm very excited to welcome back to the show our friend Rival Tag with the song Burn It All, right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. Free of my heart's desire 
Featuring James Trott. That was the song Burn It All. Rival Tag joining us once again, seven years later. How about that, Dan? Definitely got my, uh, well, I was going to say my foot tapping, but really it was more like my head bobbing. It was, yeah, got me moving. Got me in the mood to find out which one of us lucky guys might have just got back from a vacation. Dan approves. And uh, to hear more from Rival Tag or any of the artists featured on the program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. And now, the big reveal. Is it the biggest reveal in the history of this show, Dan? Maybe. Maybe it is. So, one of us just went on a trip. Some travel, if you will. So, uh, where's the where's the drum roll? Thanks, thanks, Jack and Post. <laughs> Appreciate you, buddy. The answer to the question is I. It was me all along. Your old pal, Jack Drastic. That uh, that suntan you're showing kind of gave it away. Ah, 
If only we were a visual medium. Thank goodness we're not. Old Jack did some traveling, Dan, and uh, you know I'm I'm a bit I'm not the curmudgeon of our of our crew, but when it comes to travel, I kind of am. I'm I'm not travel man. I uh, I feel like there's too many pitfalls, too many uh, things that you just got to put up with, and uh, I'm just not travel guy very often. Yeah, I'll tell you what I before kids was definitely more of a travel guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely kind of throws a a wrench into the way things operate, and then obviously uh, other things happening in the world currently um, are add additional things to consider. But yeah. no, I, I'm I'm glad you spread your wings and flew, so to speak. Well, my mission was to to be the good dad, right? To uh, I've saved a little bit of pocket money over these past few years, and want to be the good father. And so I went ahead and sprung for the thing that you do, right? It's the, you got the little kid and Dan, I, I did the thing. I put my pennies towards the most magical place on earth. That's right. Hooters. Oh wait, no, it was, it was Disney world. It was the Disney world. Dan, have you ever heard of the Disney world? I have, and if if what I know of it is correct, it might have been a little bit more than just a few pennies to rub together for this bad boy. Yes, they uh, they were a few more, few more, just a couple more. I, okay, so I've never been—I don't know—I've never been Disney guy. Like when we started doing the podcast conference, we quickly realized that one of the main genres of podcasts were people talking about Disney. We're not talking about kids. We're talking about 30s, 40s, old people, just obsessed. I have never really wanted to go to Disney World, or Disneyland for that matter, or Euro Disney, just to make <laughs> sure I cover all bases. Have, have you been to Disney, Dan? Are you a Disney guy? What What is the story there? All right, we'll get to that, but just to make sure I understand correctly, you're not Disney guy, like, obviously not Disney Parks guy. Because that's right. its own subgenre, yeah. but also not like Disney movie guy either. Because like the Disney family is different than it was in our the Disney family of movies was is different now than it was before, and that's actually reflected in the parks, which I'm sure you'll get to. That's true. I I mean, so you know, I enjoyed like the Toy Story and the the '90s, you know, cinema, the '90s movies, all that good stuff. Uh, I've got I watched some of the the streaming service that sort of thing. I mean, they own everything now, so. What are you going to do, right? But yeah, yeah, I never really just wanted to go to the parks. I, I'm not big amu- amusement park guy. I, I, yeah, I've, I've said on this show numerous times, if something involves me being in a line, there's just nothing at the end of the line that justifies me being in that line in the first place. Hardly ever. Yeah. So you asked me if I've been. When I was, I want to say about 10 years old, we did the whole, at the time, it was a trifecta of parks at Disney in Orlando. My parents took my sister and I there. So it was the Magic Kingdom, it was Epcot, and then at the time it was called MGM Studios, which I think is now Hollywood Studios. Um, Any other kind of offspring park has come along since then. It wasn't around then. And then my only other somewhat Disney tangential park experience was when I first got out of college, one of our trainings, if you jump in on board with some large corporation, which I did, 
they'll send you somewhere fun for training. And at this time, they sent us to Anaheim, which is where Disneyland is located. Disney World, where you went, Orlando. And they sent us there. And we were told by people who have gone before, oh, yeah, they take you to, to Disney every year because you're in our Disneyland like one evening as like an entertainment kind of thing. So we were all excited for that. And, you know, we, we've got the schedule. We got there on Sunday and it's like, oh, Thursday night, like, you know, ex- excursion, right? Like surprise excursion kind of thing. Mandatory fun. And we were all excited to do our evening at Disney after, you know, three or four days in classrooms and trainings and stuff got on the bus that evening and they're like, all right, everybody, uh, we're going to our surprise place and past Disney. We, you know, we're, oh, there goes Disney. Oh, I wonder where we're going. Oh, here we are at beautiful, legendary world famous Knott's Berry farm. <laughs> and it's like Whoa. a, uh, it was Breaking like out of news. a like a Christmas vacation type thing or something <laughs> like that is what it felt like. Um, and ever and then they're like, you know, Walt Disney traveled to Knott's Berry Farm when he was doing research before he opened up the Disney park. So this is actually the original, and it's much better than going to Disneyland. So, yeah, that's a long way of saying I've never been to Disneyland either. God, now you got me curious about Knott's. I want to go. It's like a Six Flags. It is not a bit like it's on the grounds of a former berry farm, and it's (laughs) named after that. Um and I guess Knott's Jelly is the the namesake. But anyways, I'm getting derailed from your sure. uh, your Disney well, experience. It, yeah. Now, in terms of my experience, uh, I, I, it is known in my household that I I am not good at the travel. So I will give credit to the party. Things were there was strategy in place. There was lots of planning ahead of this trip, just to make sure that it was nice. And we eliminated the things that dad likes to not be happy about. And the first of those things was that for the first time in my many years, Dan, I traveled first class. Wow. I know. I was, I couldn't believe it. And it was, uh, it was pricey. It was pricey, but. I got to say, it definitely eliminated a lot of the issues that I have because we stroll into the the DFW airport, we park at the terminal, we walk right in, we check our bags, that's included, nice, that's awesome, we bypass the long TSA line, and uh, we just hop right on board the plane. Just easy peasy lemon squeezy. I, they don't even make you take your monocle off when you sit in first class. I know. I, I wore three monocles just because I couldn't believe. I was like, when are they going to come over here? I won't ask you where the third one went. <laughs> uh, TBD. It was nice, man. I, I definitely couldn't uh, justify doing that too often. But uh, that definitely set the right mood for the vacation. Because I, I, that's the thing. Like I get so worked up about having to deal with you know, TSA nonsense and taking shoes off and, you know, and I I don't bitch about masks, but like, man, it's such a beating, you know, like as soon as you're, you're in the airport now for the next X amount of hours, you're wearing that mask. It sucks. And I'm trying to get the kid to wear the mask, but he doesn't wear wear it. And, but I will say that, yes, first class is, is amazing. Like it was, it was pretty incredible. It, It was really helped me 
arrive in Orlando in a much better state of mind than I would have otherwise. So did did they greet you with like a warm cloth and serve you lobster bisque and stuff like that? Well, I, I, I was a vegetarian, as you know, breaking news. So as soon as they brought me the lobster, I... I, I slapped the lobster and it went all over the flight attendant and they cried and went to the bathroom. No, I had a nice salad, Dan, which was nice. I enjoyed my salad. I mean, they, they get, that's the thing. Like, I wonder, I'm curious because I didn't, I didn't, I funded this trip, but I didn't want to, I just said, just shut up. Just, just do it. Like plan it all. Take Spend my money. My money. Yeah, I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. But I'm curious now because, like I said, the bags, the bag check was free. There was food on the plane. I wonder, I don't think there's that big of a difference between flying standard and flying first class because of all the things that you, that they, they nickel and dime. Oh, there is. I bet it's like a 5X cost. You think so? I think so. I don't know. I just think that when you see the ticket price, but you don't factor in a getting to walk past the entire security line, b not having to pay for your bags, uh, c get being given food and drinks. I just feel like you're probably right that there is a difference, but I feel like it levels it just a just a skosh. I mean, it does. It's definitely that whole if you break off the the price, you know, the price tags, and if you were to if you were to splurge for all these other things, then maybe. But it balances. It's different, right? Because like some people have TSA PreCheck or Clear, which is inexpensive if you travel regularly because it's spread out over, you know, twenty trips a year maybe. But Such if you're getting that just for one trip, yeah. then all of a sudden, then it starts compounding a little different, kind of like you're describing. See, yeah, that's why I couldn't do it because I know, I know you fly enough that the the pre and all that stuff is is uh, worth it. But to me, it's just grifting. I'm like. You guys created a problem, and now you're selling the solution to the problem. Like, go, go f yourself. It's a great deal. No, okay. So, and, and I'm a silly question, but you had first class both ways, right? It wasn't like <laughs> we're gonna travel in luxury there. Yeah. Because I've kind of thought about that too. Like, if you had to pick a which way to go first class, like, would it be going there because like you just want to like show up? to your vacation in a great mood or if you're going on vacation it's like no we'll we'll put up with a little fight because we're so excited but then on the way back when we're just spent that's where we really need to kind of live it up i have a good answer to that and it has a lot to do with which uh, with uh with which airport you're flying into and out of and uh we'll we'll get to that let's just say that i'm not the biggest fan of the of the orlando airport okay we'll get there so yeah, that was nice. Getting the travel upgrades, definitely. I, you know, I've never been in a position in my life where I was like, let's just do this and have a great time. It was cool. You you've flown first class before, haven't you? Once when I was younger. Once, yeah. Okay. Okay. So so yeah, so we get to the park and it's it's pretty awesome, right? Like you get there, we stayed at uh, the Polynesian, which is like the Hawaiian resort. So you get there and you feel kind of Hawaii-ish, which is really neat. They give the kid a lay and, you know, that's that's fun. Really, really nice, really nice resort. The, the, the Going back into our strategy to try to make this an easy trip. Uh, so we've got like this whole, the whole premise of this was for my kid's sixth, sixth birthday. He was turning six, so... Here you Merry happy birthday, right? <laughs> You're going to Disney World. It's about the best I can do, right? 
so being that he was six and knowing that like people are starting to get back out, travel a little bit, we didn't want to do the big park because we knew he was very young and it was going to be an awesome experience no matter which one of the parks he went to. So we decided that given how we assumed there was going to be a lot of people there, we, we didn't do the Magic Kingdom. Which was shocking to me because that's like the the flagship park, right? That's the the castle that you see at the beginning of every Disney movie and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean and the Small World After All and the teacups and the Dumbo yeah. ride and all the stuff you, you've seen for 50 years. Um, yeah. And that's the one. But because of those things, that's where everyone goes. That's the one place everyone hits. But you didn't. I guess it just it goes back to my strategy about taking taking my kid to indie baseball games or or stuff like that. It's like he doesn't know the difference at right. this point. So like he's gonna see Mickey Mouse whichever park he goes to, right? So so where'd you go? So we went to three. We did Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and Animal Kingdom briefly. Now the one that I wanted to focus in on it was a my my favorite park. And B, it's one we've referenced on this show before, was Epcot. So I was really fascinated about this this park. Now, we had talked about Epcot previously when we discussed the the malls, the mall episode of this show. And if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it, because I, I feel like that was one of our better episodes. But like essentially, the the man who invented the mall had a much different take on what the mall was supposed to be. It was it was really intended to be a community, you know, a affordable living situation, very economically and environmentally friendly for a lot of people. And Disney, Walt Disney, was way into this idea. And originally Epcot was supposed to be this sort of premise. It was supposed to be literally a city that you lived in, you it was a, you you worked there, you stayed there, and that idea never came to fruition. Uh, they they kind of took the the name and ran with it. And actually, a month before my birth, October of 1982, Epcot was unveiled, and it was it was less Walt Disney's uh, concept, and it was more a celebration of of human ingenuity and culture and that sort of thing. And at this point, it's probably one of their least popular parks. And that was kind of why we, we chose it because there's some cool rides there. Uh, but it's going to be, we went kind of the middle of the week. So like there was, there was a lot of people there, but comparatively speaking, not so much as the, 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 the weekend kind of got closer and we went to the bigger park. Really cool place. It was like I said, it was my favorite thing. Uh, there was some really cool rides there. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't overwhelm me, you know. Because sometimes when I get, especially now, like you you reference with where we're at health wise, socially speaking, I wasn't ready to just be in in throngs of people, and and there wasn't a lot of that there. That was nice, right? I did find it interesting. Uh, there was a nice uh, tribute to the Houston Astros there. Uh, we were we were walking down the the walkway and all all of a sudden it's like what what are those things called where people just start dancing uh, flash mobs yeah 
there was kind of this like flash mob thing where these guys that were like kind of pretending to be janitors, they all just kind of ran up to each other with trash cans and they started doing like trash can lid stomp singing dancing. These kind were of employees. Thing. I think it was like a fake employee thing. I think they were they were uh, performers, right? They were per- pretending. So these to be weren't in- like ticket buyers. These were no, 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 no. Okay, these were people that worked there. Yeah, but they were pretending to be like groundskeepers. But it turned out they were doing a musical thing where they were slapping on trash cans and stuff. And I did find it funny because there was a guy wearing an Astros hat, and I was like, "Hey, look, trash can banging." There you go. And if if you're unfamiliar with what I'm referencing, just the Astros are dirty, dirty cheaters and. So tisk tisk on them. What I can tell you, my knowledge of Epcot, I, I have been there. That's one of the parks I did visit as a young child. Um, it was not my favorite as a young child. It was probably ranked third of the three parks. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember they would have like different countries or different regions. So you would kind of go to the different, you'd eat food from the different countries or, you know, Gary had the beer from Germany for sure. Um, oh yeah. That was definitely a stop. Now, I will tell you, I don't know if I've shared this other than sharing that I have an odd uh, viewing habits on YouTube, uh, but one of the things I will watch on YouTube just to put on in the background, maybe I have mentioned this, I'll put on people that go to theme parks and just walk around and just like film the whole day of, of going to different parks just because it's kind of curious background uh, things to put on while I'm working. And I'll tell you some of these channels I watch that they go to different Disney parks every week and just kind of walk around. And for those types of people that have, I guess, season passes or whatever the equivalent is for Disney, Epcot is a favorite of theirs. Um, maybe it's because of the lack of crowds. But also I know a lot of like the seasonal activities that happen at Disney, they do at Epcot. So the food festival, the wine festival, as far as I know, those things often the central location is Epcot as opposed to the other parks. Um, so that's something else I know is like those... I don't even know what you call them, seasonal activities. Um, Epcot is the central place yeah. for that, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I, and I will say this. I get why that would why that park would be one of your least favorite because it really wasn't, like you said, the, the, the stereotypical Disney stuff. Like there was a Frozen ride, which was huge, and there was a, a Ratatouille one, which was also really cool and really big. Like the rides now are just crazy. It's it's insane what they can do in terms of the the technology. Um, so that you know there was some brand recognition, but yeah, like you said, there was a lot of uh, like worldly festival kind of things going on, which I could see kids not getting into. I liked it. Now, did you go in the ball? The big that's what Epcot's known for is the giant sphere. Yeah, in the, the center or whatever. That's like the iconic thing of Epcot. And as far as I, I re- can rec- recall, there is some sort of very, um, I do remember it being a very slow moving ride. It was more of a an exhibit than it was an actual ride. But inside that ball, there's some kind of thing. Yeah, it's called Spaceship Earth. We didn't get to that one, but we, we did go on like the, like I said, we did do strategizing here and we picked out the popular quote unquote rides. And so we did the the frozen and the ratatouille. Um, we did do a slow ride. I can't remember what it was, but it was it was like a uh, it was like a boat ride where they went through like uh, the future of agriculture. Which I was like, oh, this is really this is really neat. Like because they showed you like you went to like green room greenhouses and stuff, and it was like, okay, this is cool. But like my kid is he's checked out, right? So what's the so, future of ag- agriculture? You just go through and it's like, Oh, uh, there's Monsanto. And also Monsanto <laughs> is like that. Or is uh, it more of like a hopeful look yeah, towards the future? Yeah, it was, it was definitely hopeful, Dan there. Uh, they didn't have 
what's his name Attenborough just telling you know telling everyone that we're all about to die in five seconds but it, it was neat and I will say just going back to uh I mean I feel like I'm just flaunting right now uh, and this is not becoming of me this is not who I am as a person but like going back to like trying to make the the trip suffer or tolerable for for dad we did do some of those what are they called lightning passes or whatever mm-hmm. where we we got to skip the line we did that on two rides which again pretty effing sweet I probably couldn't do it all the time but but that was pretty nice made a difference so I mean, is that the situation where there's basically just two queues for each ride? There's the queue yeah. for the lightning pass people, and then the queue for the the so the commoners, the, <laughs> the peasants. Yeah, we yeah, and we can only and I think from you know I don't feel like there was a lot because I you know for me I was like man I don't want these people that have been sitting in line for an hour looking at me and thinking you know eat the rich right like because I, I I'm just not that guy I don't do this kind of thing ever, but the more I talk to people, the more I realize that everybody does lightning passes. Like you got to be strategic about it cause it can add up quick, but like everyone picks a couple that they, they do this skip the line thing for. Cause otherwise you're just, you're spending the entire time. In so line. this isn't like an add on for your entire day. This is per ride, uh, per ride thing. Exactly. Exactly. What, so, what does that run for like a ride? I one, I don't know, Dan. <laughs> To to sound as one uh, percent as I can, Dan. I don't know because, like I said, I did the, I didn't do this for Daddy. I didn't do this for Jack. I did this for the boy. We uh, we made it happen. So so yeah. So Epcot was my good experience. After that, we had some great and some not so great experiences. Oh. And I think we'll go ahead and get into that after this break because, guys, coming up now. We have a musician, yet again, from Australia. The wrinkle here, though, is this individual is a 15-year-old musician. That's uh, really impressive, especially after you hear this song. So, guys, here for your listening entertainment, we have Cody Leanders with I Can't Fix My Pain right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. I'm 
musician out of Australia with the track I Can't Fix My Pain. It's, uh, that's incredible. It's good stuff, man. Good on him. What were you doing when you were 15? Not making music like that, that's for no. sure. No, no. Unfortunately, all the talent is on that side of the table, Dan. So back into my, my little trip report here, Dan. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, the, uh, the location that you recall from your yesteryear, now known as Hollywood Studios. Because that was day two of my trip. And have to say, if we're talking Venn diagram here, I would say that Hollywood Studios was a a very good merging of what I can tolerate with the things that I find intolerable. Like I was I, I enjoyed myself because there's so much to enjoy there. Uh, but it was it was challenging. It was challenging because this this park is far more popular than Epcot. It was later in the week. It was uh, the Friday. So a lot more people getting into town. So my recollection of Hollywood Studios at the time, MGM Studios, was there was some sort of tie-in with the actual like studio backlots where they would shoot several of the television shows for at the time the Disney Channel was a channel that I consumed as a a youngin. Yeah. So there was a, a backlot tour where they kind of took a little tram by and you could see oh that's where you know this TV show was shot and that's where this movie was shot and to me for whatever reason that was right in my wheelhouse of really cool things. So that's what sticks out the most to me was the actual like movie set TV set types of things that took place in and around the studios, which I guess is where the name originally came from. Yeah, yeah, that's still here. That's still there for sure. I mean, like, there's uh, the backlot areas. There's uh, th- there's a, There is some element of that. But since that time, Disney has, you know, acquired just about everything. And I would say that now the, the real dominant area of that park is the Star Wars experience. Because obviously, Disney owns the Star Wars. Now, right uh, neck and neck with that, though, there's a really, really big Toy Story 
area, which is which is also cool. But those those seem like they're nestled in kind of past the area that you're that you're referencing. I really I dug it. I'm not the I'm not the hugest Star Wars guy. I enjoy bits and pieces of it, but that was really cool. And uh, we did we there's like three Star Wars rides, and we did the fast passes for those. I I don't even know where to how to like discuss some of this stuff. Like there's one ride, I think it's called like uh, I don't even remember what the name of it is. There's one ride where you're on like this like you're escaping this uh, the bad guys right, and just the amount of intricacy to it was unbelievable and it was funny because when we got there the ride was down it was it was out of service and then shortly after we got on it it was again out of service and i was like once i wrote it i was like well no shit this thing's out of service because there's so it's like a a, like a fine timepiece. like there were so many things happening and like uh animatronics but also video and i i was like there was parts of it dan where I couldn't even tell if I was looking at a video or if it was real, like a like an animatron. So is it the structure of this ride? Is it like like a car that's like going through a set, or is it like a, a roller coaster, or what's? Or are you staying in one place and there's just stuff happening around you? Well, that's the wacky thing is I'm not even really sure. Like there's, <laughs> like that's how amazing some of this stuff is. Like I was really, I genuinely, I, I don't often say this, I was really impressed. Because there were certain times where we would enter a ride from like the the line to get in the ride, and then that door would close, and then when it opened again, it was a completely different scene. And I'm like, how the f <laughs> is that there right now? I was I would be so confused. Uh, and so yeah, this ride you got on it, and you're you're like there's I think it was called like Smugglers something something, but they they get you on the ride and the thing they're trying to get you away from the bad guys, right? And uh, you're some some of it you're supposed to be flying in space. Some of it you've crashed, and now you're getting through like one of the bad guys' ships. It was it was unbelievable. I was like, holy cow! This is just this is crazy. Yeah, I mean that's you know I'm still I still think back to like my main experience of theme parks was like Six Flags and stuff where mm-hmm. you know it's roller coasters and you might go on like the little Looney Tunes like through the little gold rush thing where you're just on a little river and you got the, the little Chuck E. Cheese characters kind of sta- <laughs> dancing on the side of the of the little river. Um, yeah. But it's so crazy now to think of, you know, not only the, the physics and how those have changed and how the computers have changed what the physical aspects of the rides can can be, but then you factor in CGI type effects and, and those types of things. And, and, of course, with the Disney budget, you know, there, yeah. money's no object. So it, it's just insane what kind of things they can do nowadays. Well, and, you know, I was really surprised, speaking of their budget, there there were certain rides that were very dated. Epcot definitely had some weird, like there was, there was one ride that featured uh, Robin Williams and Rick Moranis, like from their <laughs> 90s uh, movies. And I was like, wow, that's that's really old, you know, and like the rides kind of felt bumpy because they were the old rides. But then you get on the new Star Wars things and it's HD and it's smooth and you're not getting, you know, your head cricked around. And it was it was interesting because I was like, man, they like this park is odd to me. Like Disney World is odd because of 
certain things just are obviously 20, 30 years old, but they're just here still, I guess they're because of popularity. And then some things are brand new and you can just, you know, there's a, there's a definitely a difference there. I wonder if it's like a little bit of that nostalgic factor because Maybe. yeah, you know, there are people like we, we started off talking about how many Disney podcasters there are and people on YouTube that are just obsessed with Disney parks, like not just Disney movie obsessed, but with the parks and there's so much, I don't know if loyalty is the right word, but like a nostalgic factor to that. And yeah. you mentioned those Disney podcasts, and I, I have sampled some of them a time or two. And, you know, there's only so much real estate at these parks to go around. And when they decide to put in a new Star Wars roller coaster or ride or whatever, they have to remove something that's existing from there. And there's definitely a lot of lamenting going on of like, oh, yeah, the Star Wars sounds cool and everything, but like, we really are going to miss Rick Moranis, you know, walking us through the whatever the bumpy, the old bumpy ride. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think there probably is some balance of, you know, not trying to completely strip the history of the park while at the same time, you know, keeping people's neck intact so they're not riding fifty-year-old roller coasters. No, good point. No, I, I definitely I think that's a a good take. So yeah, we we spent we spent a good deal of Star Wars, or we spent a good deal of time in Star Wars. And is the and, kid cool with that? Like, I, I doubt the kid's super into Star Wars yet. As a oh no, dude, he was obsessed. And they man, they they know if if uh, if my kid was a fish and Disney World was a fisherman, then that that Star Wars thing got him hook, line, and sinker because. Not only did we spend a good bit of time there, but uh, Daddy also got to spend some extra coin there because uh, for uh, for a cool $180, Dan, you can build and bring home your very own uh, R2 droid robot toy. It's like a Build-A-Bear kind of thing? Kind of, yeah, but you're building an R2-D2 of, of your own flavor, whatever whatever <laughs> you want. You can pick the colors, you can pick the attitude, all that stuff, and... Uh, so yeah, daddy got uh daddy got reeled into that too. But you know what? Like I said, it was uh balls to the wall, get this thing done. Best birthday party ever. Now, as much time as we spent in Star Wars and as much sense as that made to me, one thing that uh that was garishly absent was kind of surprising and I learned a little bit about uh shortly thereafter was um was the Marvel the, the the comic book stuff, right, Dan? Because you know, obviously, Disney also owns all that uh, Avengers and and all that jazz, uh, the Hulk and the Thor and the Captain America, Iron Man. Not a not a single bit of that is there at the Disney World. Uh, are you familiar at all with the with the reasoning why that is? No, not at all. It, it seems like that's. Uh, money-making opportunity so there's got to be a reason why they're not making money with it if they could be yeah so we we got we hopped on the monorail after our day at hollywood studios and i started googling why that was it turns out that uh back in the day circa 1990s ishes marvel signed an exclusive deal with universal studios and so any park east of the Mississippi that's a Disney entity at this point cannot have legally any Marvel characters. So if you were to go down the road to Universal Studios, you would see uh, the uh, 
their their version of the Spider-Man and Captain America that don't look anything like what the kids are seeing on on the TV on the on the Disney Plus these days but legally they have access to it and Disney does not how bizarre is that that Disney owns these brands but there's this at this point rather ancient <laughs> agreement that was signed by the previous owners of the of the characters and the likenesses and so your your main competitor in the the city for for theme park dollars is making money off your brand. Yeah, and from the pictures I've seen of the Universal Studios version of like Spider Man, it looks a lot like the like the street performance guys that you'd <laughs> see like in Vegas, you know? Uh, the Times Square Spider Man. <laughs> not great. Suboptimal, let's put it that way. I I really find it interesting to the point where one day I think you and me should do a deep dive on Marvel licensing and and that whole story because for years and years, decades ago, Marvel would just sell different studios onesie twosies. So like certain characters would be over here, but their brother in the in the in the comics were actually owned by another studio. And I know you're not big comic book guy, but like it, it is really a, a funny thing, especially now when we see like the the Marvel stuff is at the height of its power in terms of cinema. Yeah, that, and then also, you know how how it plays in with the DC characters as well is kind of fascinating to me. I know Six Flags over here in yeah. the Dallas area always had the DC stuff, so you always had Superman and Batman walking around. Yeah, just walking around. So yeah, Dan, Hollywood Studios was super freaking cool. It, it like I said, challenging. Like uh kinda lost my cool at one point because like we had lunch reservations, but that went sideways. But we got in and the kid got to take the the lunch picture with Minnie and Mickey in like six feet behind them kind of thing, which he loved. I mean, social distance loved. Mickey and Minnie still. Social distance Mickey. Which uh, might be the character at the end of this episode. Now that I th- now that <laughs> that comes out of my mouth, that was cool. So we we got done with day two. Now day three was going to be a brief day because it was Saturday, right? So that's the busiest day at the park. We chose as our final stop of this trip the Animal Kingdom, and we did so because a like we said we thought that would be the least populated one. And uh, be be really cool, right? To end our 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 uh, vacation with kind of a, something different, a little bit of a safari kind of thing. And Dan, Animal Kingdom did not go well. Is this because it was it was not as empty as you thought it would be? Oh, Dan! So we we had because we were staying on property, we had like early entry, right? And um, we get there. And I'm, I'm okay. My kid's six, but like they tell you, even if your kid's six, get a stroller because your kid is going to be worn out and wrecked and they're going to want to sit down. So like we've been carrying a stroller around, which is, which has been challenging, uh, the whole time, but it's worth it. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm exhausted. My feet are swollen twice their normal size and I'm, I'm burnt. I'm tired and I'm pushing this cart. Now you mentioned the earlier you mentioned you know that the the popularity of Disney and why they do certain things there is absolutely a fanaticism with Disney 
that is uh, as fervent as any other crazy thing like Apple or whatever else, you know, fill in the blank. And as I always say, Dan, the worst part of anything is the fans like that. The, if you, if you <laughs> want to ruin, ruin everything, anything it's tell, let, let's have a one-on-one with the fans. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like the, the guy in Greek mythology pushing the, the boulder up the mountain. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that, but with a, with a, with a stroller, and I'm just tired. I'm like, okay, it's day three. I got I can get through this. And I'm working my way to the to the the uphill, the 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 early entry line. And I get bamboozled by some Disney fanatics. These guys, there's one there, there's there's power walking man. Like it's like eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday. They are like this, there's running people. And like one of them knocks my card over. I'm like, and I, and I, at this point, I'm like, oi! Like I was, I was like, I'm so, <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not gonna be confrontational, but like, if you do something like that, it's on. And uh, we get to the line, and uh, the missus and the boy get their little wrist thingies beeped, and then I'm about to go, but I get knocked out of the way by two fanatics. And I say something like, well, I, I was behind you. Cause like, you have to tell them how many are in your party. And it was like three and they, but they're like, oh, and then count two. And I was like, oh, well, I was the third, but these two yahoos, like they're <laughs> like, it's first thing in the morning and they're running into this park. And that was my first, my first, uh, indication that it was going to be a rough day for me. And so we, we have an early, early, uh, I don't know. It was like a Jurassic Park knockoff ride. It was called Dinosaur. Really cool, but very dated. Like uh, the mom from the Huxtables, the mom from uh, Cosby Show. She's like a scientist on the video, and then you get in a time machine and steal a dinosaur or something. I don't have time to explain the whole premise, but that's <laughs> basically it. It was fun, cool, awesome. Like that's great. Uh, we get out and like right after that big ride, there's a little ride. There's like a little carny ride, you know, it's like a little baby dinosaur and like the, all it is is just spinning around around my kid, my six year old freaks the F out. He is terrified. And, and it's like, bro, you just went on like a ride that almost decapitated all of us while a Huxtable watched in glee. <laughs> And you don't want to go on the baby ride. Like this looks like something. This looks like a grandiose version of something that would be outside of the Dollar General, right? You'd put a quarter in it, and it would just. And he's screaming, and it turned into a confrontation because I'm upset, and uh, she's upset about how upset I am, and now he's putting in his two cents, and uh, it got rough, man. It got rough. And and I'll say this. That was definitely one of the elements that uh, really chafed my chafables, mm-hmm. if I'm to quote a guest we've had on this very show, was that I knew, I didn't know the, the, the number, the figure, Dan, but I knew it was high. Daddy had financed, you know, this thing. And I was like, that's fine. Like I want you to do I want you to have a good time. But when six year old starts being picky about rides or food, and you know how much these rides and food cost, 
Ah, uh, that's a that's a that's a kick in the knackers, bud. Yeah, but you you know you can't reason with children like they don't understand that that concept of of dad's investment. I mean, you threaten like you better watch yourself. We're going back to Epcot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. I, I thought about it. I just, you know, you're right. You're right. You can't fault them, but it's an equation, right? Like you're, you're dealing with, you're dealing with, uh, the elements of COVID, you know, there's still mask mandates. So you're having to deal with guys, you know, big burly guys that are walking out of finding Nemo exhibitions and they're like, <gasps> I can breathe again. And it's like, bro. Even though you knew they, you know, on their six-hour flight over, they yeah. <laughs> had to wear that mask. But the Just thirty minutes in the Nemo line, performative garbage. So you're dealing with that. You're dealing with lines. You're dealing with all this, and then on top of it, right? That's that's the thing. It's on top of that. You got to spend thirty-five dollars to get your kid a Mickey Mouse waffle, but he's like, I don't want the waffle. You're like, it's thirty-five dollars. <laughs> Eat the waffle. Then you shove it in your mouth just to make it worth the money. <laughs> okay, so sho- shoved it in Mickey's mouth. <laughs> so, like, I, I I really know nothing about Animal Kingdom other than like you know very high level observations. But I've always thought it to be like like a glorified zoo slash like we have Fossil Rim or Fossil Ridge here in town where you kind of drive through the safari and yeah. ostriches will come stick to your head in their window and stuff like that. Uh, is this any type of thing like that? I mean, you just talked about a ride, which I didn't think there was those things there, but maybe I should have. No, there is, there is. I, and I think, I think there is a safari element to it, but from what I hear, if you don't get to it early, then don't even do it. Cause all the, all the animals are asleep under a tree, so it's not worth it. Uh, so we, we actually skipped the safari. Like we, by the time we got to that point, kid was burnt out. I was not in my best I was not being, I was not uh, the best version of me at that point. So we just all got back on the, the monorail. But yeah, it is, it is a very much a aspirational man and nature working together kind of thing, which if you'll allow me to embrace my cynicism for a moment, very funny feeling, right? Like, you know, we're like, I don't, have you ever seen the movie Wally? Yeah. You familiar with that? Like all the the people in space that have gotten big and fat and the, the the earth is trashed. Like it just it was really weird to juxtapose like the reality of where the human race is and what we're doing with Safari. Like, you know, it just it just it was a very weird feeling. That aside, it was very packed. Very packed. And yes, uh we missed out on really much interaction with animals. But the the big thing at we we did do the big thing at at Animal Kingdom, which was somehow or another uh, a a ride based off the movie Avatar, which really threw me for a loop because I it's not a Disney movie, right? I don't think it is, and and that's the wild thing is because like I remember Avatar being this huge deal a decade ago or so. But I never saw it like for like I, six I like, months, right? Like it was this like yeah, like this like if you were to look at the the chart, the Avatar chart, it would obviously be flat because there was no Avatar before Avatar, and then all of a sudden it was this giant spike of interest, and everybody seemed to see it except I guess you and I and maybe two or three other people. But then 
I don't think there was was there ever an Avatar two or anything like oh I think they're about to explode it into a big franchise thingy. Okay, but, but it's like I don't. It's been like ten years since it has. that first spike, and and the first spike had zero cultural impact past that little blip that you're right. referring to. So it was very weird. I was like, we have fast passes to what? And it was it was Avatar. And it was cool. Like you, it was definitely cool. Now the kid again, he had a freak out. And he's like, I don't want to do it. But then he got so on blue. it. And we just <laughs> we put him in the ride like. And then two seconds into it, he's like, oh, this is cool. It's like, I know, like, happy, merry birthday, you know, just. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so so that was that was Animal Kingdom. We, we got the F out of there pretty quick. And uh, that would that kind of concluded uh, the the whole the Disney thing. Now, I do want to mention this, and there's not too much to it other than the fact that I got to pick up a neat souvenir from my buddy. But uh, Daddy decided that after doing all this stuff for the fam, that I was going to treat myself right. Do do the thing that da- that 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 Jack likes to do, right? Go find obscure sport thing in in pro- local proximity and make that happen. Just to say that I did. So Dan, I I got on a. Uh, I got on a rideshare. Have you heard of these uh, these things? They call the uh, the rideshare. Yes, the uh, okay. the Uber slash Lyft slash I don't know. That's it. That sort of thing. Your mom, right? Ha <laughs> uh, ha. Sorry, sorry, buddy. You know sorry. her. Sorry, Miss Franks. Anyway, I, I, you know you know her. Um, so yeah, got on. I decided that I wanted to go see some local hockey in Orlando. So I took a trip to the uh, the Amway Center, which is apparently where the Orlando Magic play of the National Basketball Association. But also in that building is housed the Orlando Solar Bears, Dan, of the ECHL. Now, I will say that uh, it was not the most pleasant thing of all time for me. I got in the, uh, the rideshare, the uh, aforementioned rideshare, and uh, I asked my uh, my driver to get me over to the uh, the hockey arena, the Amway Center, and he took me to the Epcot Center, <laughs> which uh, led me to believe that it's possible that the Orlando Solar Bears have not penetrated that uh, coveted Puerto Rican demographic. It okay. doesn't seem like uh, there's much familiarity there. We're was this like a taxi or was it a real No, it was it was a it was a lift. Don't you have to a, like plug in your your destination? I, I did. I did. And he I got in and he said he said where are we going? I'm not doing an accent. I'm not <laughs> not touching the hot stove. He said where are we going? And I said uh Amway Center, you know, where they play the hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's not ever gone into Epcot and he thinks that perhaps that's uh, an interesting hockey arena. Took me to the Epcot. And uh, that that's a 30-minute drive from Disney to downtown Orlando, and it took a lot longer than 30 minutes. But I finally, I finally got there. Finally did make, got there. Did you make puck drop? You damn bet, Dan. If there's, <laughs> if there's, if I can't. I'm not. There's not a lot of guarantees about me that I can make to you, but I, I'm, I'm there in my seat before the first pitch, the puck drop, etc. So yeah, I got there to the. Uh, 
to the Amway Center and uh, watched me some ECHL. The uh, Solar Bears were taking on the Everblades this evening. It was a big in-state matchup. Yeah. Gotta say, not the strongest hockey brand I've ever watched in my life. Um, Did you get some good minor league hockey fights? There was one uh, dust-up. A lot of icing. A lot of game stoppage. I felt like uh, for a product that you're hoping to get a lot of people at, for there to be so many stops, not pleasant. And and on top of the icings, the glass, the uh, the glass between the players and the fans actually fell into the glass at one point. Which did it fall into down. did it fall into the ice or did it fall into the stands? No, it fell into the ice, like well, right good. onto the uh, right next to the goalie, and uh, that stopped the game for another ten minutes. While... Did it shatter? No, no, it just that's, they just picked it up. And... <laughs> Got oh, this happens all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it was wild, man. It was wild. I was like, this is uh, like, I was like, I was like, I really want to watch hockey because I've just, you know, I've just done three days of uh, family vacation and, you know, like I like I need something for 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 me now. But it was uh, it was tough sledding. So literally. So I have spent time at the Amway Center before and. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about the Amway Center, and I don't know if you saw this, is the concept of a loge seating or loge section. Have you seen this before? No. What is that? So it's kind of a blend between suites and regular like stadium seating. Okay. And the best way I can describe it is it's like, and I don't know how, how well this will translate uh, across the, the country and pond, but... Like uh, a studio movie grill or like uh, an Alamo draft house or those movie theaters where they serve you food and stuff where you've got kind of recliner seating, almost like desk chairs, like the kind you and I are sitting in right now. Um, and then you've got like a little a little bar top in front of you for food and drinks. and But it's still reserved seating like you would have in the regular stadium. Uh, and and that's, the, that's where I sat at the, the event I went to at the Amway Center was that. And the section was called like the Loge section, and it was actually probably one of the more enjoyable sporting events I've been to because of that mm. kind of seating arrangement. And that's the only place I've been to that's like a large-scale professional NBA arena type place that had that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I would say that uh, when the minor league hockey team is is uh, housed in the arena on any given evening, the amenities are. Uh, <laughs> Are are sub whatever they are for the magic for the for the basketball, and uh, I gotta say like that was the other rough thing was I get in there and zero like point one percent of people are wearing masks and I'm I'm a little bit confused but like you know I get my cheap ticket and I sit down and I'm you know nut to butt with everybody so I kind of was it crowded. Back. It was so crowded. Really? Yeah. It like was, the whole stadium? I will say, no, not the whole thing, but the lower bowl, definitely. Like, those people in Orlando support their solar bears. I kept moving back and back and back and back, and it was I didn't I didn't find any loge seating, unfortunately. Uh, but I did find a comfortably spaced area where I could partake of some very slow-ass hockey, and uh, did so for about an hour before I realized that it was going to take me another hour to get back to the other side of Orlando. 
So hopped in the uh, the pro shop for my friend Dan. Got him a sweet T-shirt. It's in the wash now. And uh, as well it should be. And uh, got out of there. And uh, Dan, the next day, I was at the, uh, the fabulous Orlando airport, which I will get on Yelp and Google and every other rating scheme that I can shortly and give lots of one stars to because... You know, you mentioned uh, should you if you had to if you had to pick coming or going for first class ticketing, which would you pick? I gotta say, first class tickets in Orlando mean next to nothing because you're not getting preferential treatment through security. You're getting in the line with everybody else, and uh, man, it's it's kind of a whip. Got to be honest, not not a big fan of the Orlando airport. Do you kind of do that thing where you talked out loud? But these people, most of them don't even have first-class seating, honey. <laughs> no. No, what I did was I texted my buddies saying, uh, like, is there a way to volunteer for the no-fly list? Like, is there, like, I don't want to do anything criminal, but can I, can they just give me a, an application so I can see if maybe they'll put me on the no-fly list? So next time the kid wants to go to Disney, I'd say, sorry, son. <laughs> Funny story. Dad's not allowed to fly anymore. Yeah. Road trip. And that's just... uh it was a whip. But, you know, there it is, Dan. Looks That's like you a, made it back in one piece. You were not talking to me from Orlando. Well, I'll say this. Uh, Disney was awesome. It is not my bag, baby. But I did it for my kiddo, and I'm glad I did. feel pretty good about that. It was nice to get away from work because I feel like I've been working nonstop for two-plus years now. And uh, so it was nice to, to have a little bit of a break from work. But yeah, there it is. There you have it, Dan. Well, Jack, thanks for telling us all about the most magical place on Earth. It's, you know, just too bad you can't bring back some of that magic here into the studio. Or can you? <gasps> what in the world, Dan? It's socially distanced Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Okay, so Mickey Mouse is in the studio with us here uh, putting on his KN95 mask, okay? Uh, now a, a face shield and uh, latex gloves over his iconic Mickey Mouse white gloves. A little bit redundant there. And, uh, okay, watch, watch out. Now he's spraying down the microphone with disinfectant and... Huh? Sorry, guys, about all the rigmarole. Uh, can't be too careful these days, you know? <laughs> hey... We understand, Mickey. Uh, when I saw you at Disney, you were being super cautious there, too. Probably a pretty good idea, given your line of work. <laughs> no kidding. There's no uh, calling in sick when you work for old Walt Disney. Daddy's got mouths to feed. <laughs> Mickey, you have a kid? I, I definitely don't recall that from any of the cartoons. <laughs> hey, kiddo, I wish. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the reproduction rates of my stano. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Mouse Tinder has done me no favors in the Mouse Child Support Department. Uh-oh. Oh, Jesus, Mickey. Coming in, coming in a little hot there. Uh, so to what do we owe the pleasure of this visit from the world's most famous mouse? Well, you know how much we love the nickel and dime you into oblivion at the Magic Kingdom, Jack. Well, uh, you forgot to opt out of a post-vacation character photo op. So here I am. Post-vacation photo op? How was I supposed to know I had to opt out of that? I've, I've never heard of it. Huh. Well, sorry, Jackie, uh, but it's clearly written in the standards uh, Disney uh, vacation contract addendum 
that we send out two to seven weeks after your trip. It's no big deal. What's another 1299 bucks plus shipping and handling? Uh. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Just just take your socially distanced photo and bippity-boppity yourself out of here, man. So, Mickey, while you're getting all set up over there for the picture, I noticed all of the PPE, the personal protective equipment that you're wearing, along with the social distancing you do when taking pictures with guests. What other safety measures are you using against COVID? COVID? What's COVID? <laughs> uh, mm, you're joking, right? It's the deadly virus that caused the pandemic. The reason why so many people wear masks just like yours in your park. And you're wearing a mask, too, for that reason. Huh? Well, uh, I'm wearing a mask because I can't stand the foul stench of my human overlords. <laughs> and from what I've seen in 100 years of tortured existence, it's no surprise to old Mickey that you humans are harbingers of death. Wow. Okay. Okay, Mickey. I uh, think we've uh think we got that uh photo shot. Uh thanks for stopping by. Oh, you betcha. I'll see you guys next time. And don't forget, how do you spell fun? Ooh, let me take this one, Jack. Okay. M I C K E Y M O U S E. Close. D O N K E Y S H O W. Till next time. D O N K E Mickey, that is oh, not cool. No. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, thankfully, that is over, as is this installment of Men Seeking Tomahawks. Be sure to subscribe to the program on your favorite podcast app. For more giveaways, chit-chat, and fun, join us over on The Social. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, I'm Jack. For Jack, I'm Dan. And... and- Jack, he, he's still taking our pictures. Oh, you boys are good looking, I'll tell you what. 